Life is an epic journey. Live it unleashed. Hey, fellow journeyers, Jeremy here. Welcome back to the Living Unleashed podcast. You know, life is an epic journey, and we want to live it unleashed. We want to live this passionate life that God has given us, a life that is defined by hope, filled with joy, marked by peace, and walks in freedom. And that is what we are here to do today as we continue to intentionally shape our lives by taking up a journey with Luke as we journey through Luke and Acts together. Today we're looking at Luke chapter 16. Now Luke chapter 16 is the most challenging and difficult chapter that we have encountered so far. It contains a parable that is considered to be the most difficult parable of all Jesus' Jesus's parables to kind of get our uh, minds wrapped around and extract from it uh, what uh, what's going on here, even though it kind of tells us here's the lesson. Um, and and the reason is is because of how um, the, the setting that Jesus uses in this particular, parable, and it's in Luke chapter 16. It starts in verse 1, and and, and what throws us off and why there's a lot of um, kind of wrangling over how to get a hold of this uh, this beast, uh, if you will, in, in the commentaries and in the studies and, and the like, is uh, because it centers around the central character being a dishonest uh, manager, a dishonest businessman. Um, and and because of that, it makes it kind of challenging uh, to get a hold of it. So, you know, in 10 minutes, it's not really possible to get into all of the uh, uh, translation and interpretation issues that are debated and argued over. So I'm going to take a crack at this. We're not going to back away from this challenge. I'm going to take a crack at this. Um, and where I kind of come down on it right here with... And open-ended, if you have other uh, um, uh, insights that you'd like to share, please hit me up with an email. Uh, leave it in the comments. Let's get a discussion going over it, uh, because, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm going to confess and admit that uh, there's not a, um, a lot of consensus. There's a lot of wrangling over the details of this one. Uh, so let's jump right into it, see what happens. Let's lay out the framework. Here we go. We have a dishonest manager that is in charge of his master's affairs, uh, seems to be primarily a financial responsibility for taking care of his master's accounts. Something has transpired that has brought to the attention of the master that this manager has been dishonest and has been wasting his money. So he calls the manager in to fire him and says, I need an accounting of all you got. In other words, turn over your books. Get all your reports in order, turn them over, you're gone, you're fired, you're, you're done, okay? Now, this manager suddenly <laughs> says, man, I'm in a big heap of trouble. You know, I'm, I'm about to get canned, which, you know, means that his name's going to be kind of blackballed in the community. He's not going to be able to find another job. He's going to end up having to do this menial labor like, you know, digging ditches uh, or, you know, something like that, that he just says, I'm just not cut out for that. Uh, so I've got to do something. So what he decides to do is he starts calling in people with whom who owe the master money. 
Now, this is where some of the discrepancies get in because there's long conversations in the commentaries about how loaning worked and how commissions worked in the first century and so what might actually be going on here. What I'm just going to say is that these people owed the master money for some reason, whether it was rent on land, which would have been common uh, in terms of the fact that they owed olive oil and they owed wheat, that that would have been somehow the per, uh, their uh, portion to pay for the rent of land that they were farming, or that it is somehow another, another loan. These folks are not poor people. I mean, because the amount, uh, the 800 gallons of olive oil would have been all of the olive oil off of a large grove of olive trees, one commentary said 150 trees. So, I mean, that's this is somebody who has means that owes this guy money. Uh, same with the wheat. It, it, with the 1,000 bushels of wheat, um, as, as the New Living Translation says, the measure of wheat would have been the wheat that would have come off of, of maybe a, even a couple of hundred acres. I mean, really a huge, a huge amount of land for that time and the way they farmed. So these are not poor people who owe the, the master money. Anyway, the manager cuts down what they owe. Now, what it is he's cutting is another place that there's a great deal of disagreement. Was he cutting out his own commission? Was he cutting a portion that he had added to it um, dishonestly to try to siphon some more money off, and so he's getting rid of that? Did he actually cut off part of what was the master's profits? The story doesn't tell us. The parable doesn't tell us, so I find it to kind of be a useless argument one way or the other um, as we try to wrangle and wrestle with this, uh, with this parable. Because I don't know that it really matters what the purpose, where he was cutting the money from. The fact is, he is. What is surprising and what then causes a great deal of uh, consternation amongst all the interpreters is that, you know, he does this so that he will be in the good graces of all these other people. So instead of being blackballed as a dishonest manager, he looks like, to the rest of the community now, he, he appears to be a very um, kind and giving man. And in the ancient world, uh, being in someone's debt like that was um, you know, a good place to be because they would repay that. Um, they would take care of him. So he would have a place to go. If not a job, he'd at least have a place to stay, you know, so he didn't have to uh, go dig ditches. And so he's, 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 thinking about, he's thinking ahead. And what surprises a lot of people is the master comes along and he now praises this manager for being so shrewd. Um, and that his shrewdness is um, admired. As a matter of fact, the New Living Translation there in verse 8 says, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. Now, <laughs> this, this just kind of throws us off because in so many of Jesus's parables, the central figure, the central person that is focused upon is usually seen in a good light or at least a repentant light. So even when you go to the prodigal son, you've got the son who makes some real bonehead moves and you know asks for his inheritance, takes off, squanders it all away, but he comes back in a repentant uh, manner. Here, we don't have this shrewd manager going back to his master and apologizing, repenting, asking for forgiveness. So what is it? What is it about this that we are being um, shown that, you know, it goes on to say um, there in the rest of verse 8, 
And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. And, and even some of that is all kind of muddy. But here, here's what I think is going on. If you look at the parables and you look at what's been going on, many of the parables are focused around either God's initiative or our response or a combination thereof. Okay, so we have, you know, the kingdom of God being like searching for a coin or a lost sheep or a lost son. Okay, so we have this God's initiative. Um, We have our response and how we respond. And so now all of a sudden we have this parable. And we have this guy who's been dishonest. He's not chosen well. But all of a sudden he moves from thinking about the immediate. I mean, when he's siphoning off money from his master... He's thinking about today. He's being controlled by mammon. He's being controlled by uh, you know the decisions of the day. All of a sudden, he's not thinking about today. He's thinking about tomorrow. He's thinking about the rest of his life. He started to put his life in context. He sees where his life's going, and he makes a decision. He decides on some actions that will change the direction of his life, and and it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like the smartest of moves. Okay, in terms of, um, I mean, he's not hoarding the money for himself. He actually gives it away to others, and by giving it away to others, now they he is uh, they are in his debt, so they'll look after him. So he's secured, or at least in the temporary uh, future, he secured his future, and and made a smart choice. Now, you understand that Jesus is telling these parables a lot to 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 people from the Jewish context who have been in positions where they have been, you know, like the manager, they've been entrusted by God with something wonderful and awesome. That is to be a priestly nation. They haven't been honest with it, and, and they, haven't, they haven't gone in the direction God wants. And, he, you know, there's, so there's this parable that says, you, I mean, even the people of the world are shrewd enough to figure out that your present decisions and actions are really going to mess you up, and you need to make some different actions, some different decisions. Why aren't you going to? And so I think what this is, is that this, this parable is this call to action. This parable is, calls us to think and to think through what we're doing, how we're doing it. Are we responding positively to God? And are we using our, are we using our noggins is really what it's about. Are you using your noggins? He says, he says, the children of light aren't always as shrewd as the children of the world. In other words, our faith in God is not a reason to check our brains at the door, but to think through, and it's almost a rational argument to say, the way I'm choosing to live, instead of kind of foolishly continuing in the pattern I'm in, do I need to change the way I'm living to, ha- to cause a different future to come about in my life, to have a different future? And see, as I'm trusting God, as I'm doing the things Jesus said, then that, that's where I'm headed. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to get a different future, and we are encouraged to do that to think that way. So my question, I guess, that comes out of this parable and what I'm reflecting upon, and I'd love to hear your thoughts to see if you'd go a different direction with this, is am I being foolish in my life like this manager making decisions that are just for today instead of making decisions that secure 
uh, my future with the kingdom of God. You know, the uh, Luke has been talking so much about us making decisions that are for the kingdom of God. And I really think that's what this is hammering away at. It's coming from the negative side that even this guy, who's a rascal, who's dishonest, gets it. Should when we wake up and get it that we don't want to continue on in the same patterns of living that have that are causing us problems today, but to be shrewd to change those patterns to secure a better future for tomorrow, and that's where I think this is headed. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So hit hit me up with an email, Jeremy at livingunleashed.org, or leave a comment uh, on the website or in the Facebook post. And let me know what you think. I hope you have a great day. I hope you continue to dig in, even when the passages are challenging. That makes it fun to get in there, dig in, see what can happen. Let's come back tomorrow as we hit up Luke chapter 17. I hope you have a wonderful day and keep on living unleashed.